For MeatPoultry.com, I'm Joel Cruz, Editor. The COVID-19 pandemic has turned the meat and poultry industry on its ear, forcing companies to experiment with various strategies and new ideas to survive the crisis while planning for the new normal whenever the dust finally settles. The daily challenges created by the virus have forced us all to adopt new mindsets and adapt new ways of working, socializing, and maintaining productive lives. As a professor of animal science at Colorado State University, the world's foremost expert on livestock handling for the meat and poultry industry, and an inspiring speaker and voice for the autism community, Dr. Templegrandin's life has been turned on its ear thanks to COVID, just like the rest of us. In this week's Meat and Poultry podcast, Dr. Grandin, who also has penned her From the Corral column exclusively for meat and poultry for nearly 40 years, talks about how she too has had to pivot in her personal and professional life in the coronavirus era. Just days before her 73rd birthday, Grandin talked about the precautions she takes to stay healthy and how she's managed to replace what used to be a dizzying travel schedule with new and different projects. And in the process, becoming an expert on Zoom-based lectures, presentations, and interviews. As a visual thinker, Grandin also shares her ideas of how the industry can benefit by making some adjustments to business strategies and adopting new mindsets during and after the pandemic. Temple is an iconic personality with some simple ideas and an inspiring outlook we think you'll enjoy. Take a listen to this conversation with Dr. Temple Grandin. Hi, I appreciate everyone being here today, um, and I appreciate Temple Grandin joining us on the podcast here at Meat and Poultry. Um, Temple, you and I have had some some super interesting conversations over the last five or six months since this the pandemic has started, and I think a lot of the topics we've talked about have been have, have ran the gam- have burned the gamut. But um, I thought a lot of the things we talked about would be super interesting to our readers and our listeners and your personal issues related to COVID and, and professionally and academically. So can you talk a little bit just about how, how the pandemic has, you know, how's that affected you personally as a, you know, your daily routine and what you do in your personal life? Well, on March 12th was my last airplane trip and my last live speaking engagement. Everything has been either canceled or put online. Um, last night, I just gave the honors talk uh, they, uh, to the uh, incoming honors students, and I talked about different kinds of thinking and how we need visual thinkers in engineering was uh, part of the things I talked about. They set up a TV studio in a large meeting room and I, where we could socially distance, and that's where I did it from. But basically, um, I have not been on a plane since March 12th. I just had a September thing canceled. Um, they, everything's canceled all fall and some's being rescheduled for next year and some's going to be online. So what have, what have I been doing? I think it, one thing that helped me was getting on a schedule. I got to get up in the morning, get dressed, dressed for work by eight o'clock, no laying around in sleepwear. And so I've had to find other things to do. And right now I'm working on a new book on, on visual thinking and why it's important. There's a lot of equipment out in the plants very clever equipment that I call the clever engineering department. And now if you look at some of our new poultry, our new chicken plants, uh, poultry and uh, pork plants, all of the equipment's coming from Europe now because we're paying the price for taking skilled trades out of the schools 25 years ago. 
And there's two parts of engineering. There's the more mathematical parts like boilers and refrigeration, yet we're still doing that. Building, power, water. But a super clever machine that goes inside, and I was just looking up uh, robotics before I got on. Yeah, the tool that goes on the end of the arm. That's usually gonna be made by the visual thinker. So I'm working on that book, because I've gotta have things to do. Um, my students are doing research online, surveys and uh, uh, writing review papers. You know, it's really turned everybody's life upside down. So a lot of the, what you've done, you've had to, like all of us, we've had to adapt to Zoom calls and have to you know, adapt to this new technology. Was that, was that easy for you or is that something you, obviously you've got- uh, Well, I hadn't done any of it before. Uh, I got home on the 12th. We had a faculty meeting the next day on Friday the 13th, going into spring break. We were told the university was closed. We had a week to get our stuff online. So fortunately, I got a really great computer guy named Chris. And I called up Chris and I go, Hack! help. Then on Monday, uh, he bought the last microphone that Best Buy had. That everyone had cleaned out the equipment. But he looked up online and found out they had one in the storeroom. They didn't know they had. They made him go find it. <laughs> and by that, by Monday afternoon, I was on Zoom. You know, it was a have to. You know, we you know we have to adapt, and and we've got a. I have my lab meetings now in the gazebo in front of my where I live, so we're outside, and I don't really want to get down the grad offices down the basement and tight airspace. Sure. You know, we just had to adapt, and uh, my students do a lot of hiking and bicycling because it's not been totally easy for them. You're still out and about. You're you're still doing. You have some people helping out with your shopping and your your. Uh... Well, yeah, I'm shopping. I've learned how to shop without touching anything except the merchandise, and uh, I use the hand sanitizer in the store, and then I back out, push my back on the door, so then my hands are clean, and the groceries are hanging off my arm. So yeah, I've been doing some shopping, but I'm really careful. And I thought and I've been doing a little bit of going out on construction sites. There's a little bit of activity going on in Colorado. I was just out in the shop this morning. I'm talking to a guy named Robert, really great guy, turnkey welding. Um, and he was teaching a youngster how to weld. I go, good. We need more people um, getting into the skilled trades. And I was explaining to him how to use Zoom. I said, Robert's not that hard. Just get someone to set you up. You're going to really like it. I've done some plant stuff on Zoom. Uh, it actually worked fairly well. Haven't been in a plant. We're all quarantined out. Yeah, of course. And you mentioned when you when you are out and about, the, you had a, as a visual thing, you have an inter interesting kind of uh, visual aid that you, you plays out in your head when someone gets too close. That you were oh, no. I, the people are bad about social distancing. I go, social distancing? And I walk out around my condo and other people are out there. I mean, I'm keeping my distance from them. One lady that lives in my complex got very sick with COVID, a young lady. She got over it, but extremely sick. Um, uh, she's fine now, but no, they, they, people are, are bad about social distancing. You know, I go out someplace in some little tiny bitty office and there's five of them stuffed in this bitty office. And I'm out in the hall. Ugh, I'm not going in there. And you said you have a picture of like a, a six foot piece of plywood that that's eight foot piece of plywood. Yep. I'm seeing my Ford Ranger white pickup I had in the, in the seventies. And I was so happy I could lay a sheet of plywood in a flat. 
So I imagine a sheet of plywood lengthwise in between me and the, and the person. It's eight feet. See, that's something I can visualize. Absolutely. And then as far as your classes go, you mentioned you're, you're still working with grad students and you're still having classes, but you've had to adapt. Oh, I've got classes. Uh, we had to get the classes online. I'm, I've got to meet tonight. We've got to email all the students and tell them we'll send them a Zoom link the night before. And uh, to get the lecture watched, which will, the first one's going to be on basic cattle behavior during handling. It's on my standard stuff. And then we have a discussion online. I find that's a better way to do it. Post the lectures online and use the live section for discussion. Works a whole lot better. Um, you know, it's been a been a, a new experience for everybody, and well, all our big classes online, and they're going to run the small classes in person. And I just hope the fraternities don't get stupid and give the school COVID, because that's where it's been busting out in other colleges is in the fraternities. And one thing that hasn't changed is if you continue to to send us, and gosh, I think we're going on forty years. You've been writing a column. You're from the Corral column for us, and a lot of those topics I thought have been super interesting it's relating to uh covid and some of the i thought if we could recap maybe some of those those recent ones including uh i think one of the earlier ones was you you talked a lot about the fragility of the how fragile the well oh, supply chain issues um, i came to the conclusion that big was fragile when we had some big floods here like i think six years ago flooded the interstate i remember driving home from the airport and i had to go all the way around the cooner feed yard to get home around like the water didn't get on the cattle and there was a bridge this much bridge left and i went over it it closed half an hour later and i got to thinking big's not bad it's fragile you see and what happened with covid we're showing just how fragile it is and we've got to do things to make the supply chain more flexible both on the live end and there's a lot of interest now in building some smaller packing plants uh, we need that also we need to make things more flexible on the on the uh meat end of it and one of the things i suggested is if i only have half the staff at a pork plant i can just do what i call big pig bits we're going to just run them through there cut them up into hams loins shoulders chuck them in condo combos ship them out the back door and let's find people to cut them up because the amount of waste of pigs thousands of pigs had to be killed and thrown away and some of them killed in ways that were bad Pigs had it absolutely the worst. Beef, we didn't have to, they, beef, they just put them on hay. That wasn't anywhere near as bad. Chickens have a shorter life cycle. But we've got to, um, uh, the amount of pigs in the Midwest that were just destroyed, it was an animal welfare issue. It also was a horrendous, awful food waste issue. Sure. And then the amount of milk thrown away because it was in the wrong packages. Eggs thrown away because we didn't have the right boxes to put them in. These are things that we've got to get a, around that. You know, they, it, this is just unacceptable. The thing is, big is very efficient. Big is very cost effective, but it's fragile. If you have a more distributed supply chain with a lot of little plants, it's going to be more expensive, but it's more robust. You know, it really makes me lay awake at night with big plants at the power grid. You want to lay awake at night? Uh, I don't want to talk about the power grid. It's too fragile. I know some things about it that I'm not discussing. But that's what I lay awake, awake at night about power grid. And they're having a lot of problems in California now. Uh, well, of course, air conditioners on, but also they never maintain anything. I went and gave a talk shortly before COVID 
where if the wind blew more than 40 miles an hour, they had to turn off the power so the wires wouldn't fall down because it hadn't maintained them. Wow. It's just ridiculous. And this gets back to the skilled trades stuff. Yeah, there's one really good job that doesn't require a college degree. Welding, utility, line person. Keep all this stuff going to build these things. Yeah, I explained to the honors students who were in engineering last night that there's a very important, clever engineering department, like entire poultry processing plants with imported equipment. Then I showed them a picture of the Steve Jobs Theater. And I was spitting like this with an Apple ID up card on. And the whole thing came from Italy. Mm. And when you scream, you don't, we don't make it anymore. In the middle of that theater, the whole building hums. It's like really weird. <laughs> and I went to the Italian website Boy, they've got some fantastic buildings. This gets back to keeping skilled trades. There's two parts of engineering. And the visual thinkers that can't do the math are a really important part. You need us. Another and then I went, shopping, I went shopping for my um, online buying fulfillment center. Really nice equipment for outfitting one of those warehouses. Germany, UK's got fancy stuff. I went shopping for all kinds of stuff that we're not making anymore. That's what this book is going to be about. And the uh, kind of segueing on your point, the, the, there's been, and you wrote about this too, there's, there's been kind of a, an awakening in, in terms of people's realization, whether they realize it or not, but there's a, there's a kind of a blind spot for most people as far as the infrastructure of, of our they supply chain. They have no idea. <laughs> they have no idea. You know, now they've seen supermarket shelves stripped. But I was talking to a student about where her shoes came from. They were imported. I said, do you know how those shoes got across the ocean to here? Do you know what a container ship is? And she said, no. So then we got the phones out and we looked up container ship and she was just flabbergasted. And then I asked her, where do all the movies and the videos live online? So, well, a server, all right, you wanna see where they live. So we typed into Google images, Ariel, the data center. No idea of what a big infrastructure that requires. And then we showed pictures of the inside no idea. Some people think movies live in cell phone towers and satellites. Because I've asked students. These are questions I like to ask young students. Where do the movies live online? Half of them don't know. Yeah, and also the data center takes a whole lot of electric power. A whole lot. And down to the logistics of, of that person that's delivering this, the, the, the truck that's And then you've got the people delivery. that work in the warehouses. And, and then you've got all the people that, you know, drive the trucks around it, that bring stuff. I think people are aware of the trucks. They're aware of that part of it. But what they're not aware of is, okay, you've got goods coming in on a container ship. They got to go to a major distribution warehouse that then sends a lot of that stuff out to all the other warehouses that are in the, in the cities. They have no idea how the supply chain works. I find this stuff that's really interesting because I can visualize it. And the thing that shocks me is a lot of the equipment used in this infrastructure is no longer made here and it goes back to taking out skilled trades. When I worked in construction, out in the plants, putting up stockyards, putting up all kinds of stuff, 20% of the people I worked with, machinery designers, welders, and drafting people would be in special ed today. They were either dyslexic, ADHD, or autistic, and I am saying that absolutely seriously. I'm not joking about that. Those kids are in the basement playing video games with an autism diagnosis now instead of building things in our plants. Well, hopefully that's changing. Well, I'm, that's why I'm doing this book and I need a project 
that visual thinking is important and it's part of engineering. There's the mathematical part and then there's what I call the clever engineering department that makes that super clever a packaging machine, makes a super clever tool that opens up the hog carcass that goes on the end of the robotic arm. The tool isn't even electronic. It's just super clever. And speaking of books, you, you're working on a book, but you also, you mentioned that you also just had one. Published. Oh yeah, I got my new slaughter book. I got to show that. My new slaughter book just came out, The Slaughter of Farm Animals. And I have a lot of all the practical stuff I've written. And then I have a co-editor, Michael Cockrum, and he's done in-depth scientific reviews to bring the more academic side. And then I've got basic things like basic handling stuff, uh, stunning um, information, um, a new article on consciousness and animals from Claudia Turlo. Uh, nope, it's, uh, it just came out. Amazon's got it both in paperback and in ebook. And if you're listening in from Europe, you can buy it from cabi.org, C-A-B-I.org. And then from a, from a, we talked a little bit about, um, from an animal welfare standpoint, what, how do you think COVID has affected how, how, how that progress is coming? Is it, is there still progress being made? Has this been a kind of a hurdle or a pause for? Well, I think some things have been kind of paused because it's, it's messed up the auditing. And I'm not going to say that things have backslid back to the bad old days. That's definitely not true. But it's not helped matters. And I did write an article for you on can videos replace live audits? I think there's some live audits, both in food safety and animal welfare. I'm going to put them together. Uh, that some of them can be replaced with a strapping a video camera onto a person and then the auditor makes them walk around the plant. Or even an iPhone, walk around the plant. But... I would do some of that in a plant I knew very well that I'd been in. I wouldn't do it with a new plant. And I had somebody say, well, I can send you know, the floor plants. I go, wait a minute, you can send me fake floor plants. I would only do that in, in a plant that I'd been in and I, that I knew really well. And there still is a need to do some live audits. But I think it could cut down on it. I think the same thing's going to happen with, with some of the business travel. I think there's going to be a portion of it that won't come back but the thing we're finding with online, first of all, a hands-on class like welding, you're not going to teach online. But there's a kind of a getting together with other people that just doesn't happen online. Like I've gone over to school and, well, I've done a little bit of going out to the experiment station. We've got a research going. And it was so good just to do something normal at the experiment station and talk to some of the other faculty. You see, this is the thing that you don't do online. Yeah, adds another layer. So, well, you mentioned the meat lab, the new meat lab at, at CSU. Oh yeah, our meat lab's been going. It's been really working super well. And I've been over there. I'm super careful. I pretty much just stay out in the yards. I don't, uh, I'm very careful about you know, social distancing. But it's been really nice to go over there because I've, and then my students too have been getting stir crazy. And um, Cora goes out just to feed sheep. I uh, have something to do. You see, this is a real issue. I mean, mental health is an issue. And, and so I sometimes go over to the meat lab like every other week. I'm super, super careful. I was out to the experiment station. That was really nice. I saw a really cool new blood testing machine they had. Mm. Gives you eight little, eight to 10 little blood tests. Just bam. It's like a credit card machine, but prettier. Spits out like a receipt with uh, 10 blood tests on it. Wow. They were using it on shape. That was fun to see. But just uh, do some normal stuff. 
And what uh, hopefully we can, hopefully university can stay open long enough so that in the small classes, the new students coming in get to know their professors. That will be really helpful. I hope the fraternities just don't mess it up for us. And then lastly, I, I know you, you, you've always divided your time between, you know, you do a lot of industry work, but you also do a lot of uh, uh, work on the autism side. What, oh, I've been doing a lot of autism talks. I was just on a seminar last night with India and Bangladesh. Wow. And uh, parents were typing in questions, just really basic stuff about early intervention. How do you deal with what if the kid is sensitive to noise? And so if he doesn't like uh, the hairdryer, then uh, let him play with the hairdryer where he can turn it on. And sometimes they can get over that, some of that sensitivity. Just a lot of really basic things I talked about, different kinds of thinking, visual thinking, like skilled trades kind of thinking, mathematical thinking, word thinking, uh, the basic stuff. I've been doing a lot of stuff like that on Zoom. And one, here's the good side of the video conferences. We're getting out to other countries in a way we weren't before. I was talking with Colette, um, who runs Paco, yeah. and she's really happy with, with how they've been getting out into other countries. So there's some good sides of some of this online stuff. And so when we finally get a vaccine and we can be totally normal again, I'm, I think some things are gonna be forever changed. I don't think is everybody's gonna be going into the office as much, but there's still a need to have some going into the office to get the kind of informal mixing of people. And in, in terms of uh, on the autistic side, do, do you think COVID has, are there new topics that are coming up that were not coming up and discussions being had that? that well, well, the big problem with COVID is little kids therapy. You cannot do that on a computer. Working with a three-year-old is trying to teach them how to talk. So the only what the therapist does is to try to coach the mother how to do it. That's been bad. Now, some of the older autistic kids either adapt well or it's been terrible. You know, it depends. What's happening right here, uh, right across the street, three families have formed a pod and they get their boys together. They were out using scooters on the streets right where I live. I think there's going to be more of that where where three families get together and they take turns educating the kids. And then those families are really careful about not bringing COVID in. Right. They're not going to bars. That's some of the worst for bringing COVID in. Well, hopefully, like you said, hopefully there'll be a, a, a we'll get back to a normal once there's a, a vaccine and some. No, I, I think we're gonna be really messed up until we get a vaccine. As I said before, my entire fall schedule for live appearances has been canceled. And when I did the honors talk, they did it, they made a studio in a big, huge meeting room so we could all be far apart. And I know the Animal Handling Conference in Kansas City, which is always kind of a Super Bowl for you each year. That's gonna be online. Right. So and Paco's gonna be online. And one of the things that I talked about in the poultry Paco is why is auditing important? It's important because it's just like monitoring traffic. If the speed limit and stuff wasn't monitored by the place, you imagine what the traffic would be like on the freeway. It yeah. takes constant monitoring. And the other thing is I can remember before we had the audits, the bad old days, they were bad. Things are a whole lot better now. Okay, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and, and uh, I wish you um, good health and we'll stay in touch and hopefully we can do this again. But this is really interesting stuff, I, I know for me and for 
for our readers and our listeners. This is this is great stuff. So thank you so much, and we'll be in touch soon. Well, thank you so much for having me.